We are back with you here on the 24th of May, 2021. Happy to be back with you on this Monday. We've got plenty for you here on the show, as we always do. We're going to be talking about increasing unrest in Myanmar, really ongoing unrest in Myanmar. We're going to be talking about a coup in Samoa. That's right, in Samoa. But before we get to either of those two important stories, we're going to go to Haiti's ongoing uprising. While it didn't make headlines last week, Haiti's popular resistance continued and the de facto president, Jovenel Moise, grew increasingly embattled. Last Tuesday on May 18th, Haitian Flag Day, massive mobilizations took place in the capital, Port-au-Prince, and cities throughout the country, rejecting a constitutional referendum vote set for late June and so-called elections that would be held in September. Thousands also protested in solidarity in the United States, particularly in Washington, D.C., and the protests foregrounded the illegality of Moise's actions, given that technically he's no longer the president and that the Haitian constitution explicitly does not allow this method of constitutional change anyway. Moise has been using force to cling to power since the end of his term on February 7th and at his own small flag day ceremony, rejected any compromise with any opposition forces and vowed to press ahead with both the referendum and the elections in the fall. Moyes has maintained power mainly through the unified support of the United States, Canada, the European Union, the OAS, and the United Nations, along with a section of the police force that's heavily disintegrated, the army, and some irregular forces linked to the Port-au-Prince gang network. And the regime of Jovenel, as he's often referred to, has to a large degree, uh, as I mentioned with the police there, disintegrated, which has created serious power vacuums filled by gangs and an increase in both violence in general, especially kidnappings and also political violence. On May 9th, 10th, 12th and 13th, for instance, there were gun battles throughout various popular neighborhoods that seemed to have killed at least five people, possibly dozens, and saw a number of houses burned as well. And this is in a context where 60% of Haitians live in poverty, 25% live in extreme poverty. Almost everyone, about two-thirds, works in the informal sector, and those who work in the formal sector work primarily in sweatshops. Public services of all types are basically non-existent, and to the extent they are around, they are cost-prohibitive for most people. And you can see the results of this development model when recently two people died from the explosion of a propane gas center in the city of Del Ma. And as the popular organization Kyla pointed out at a press conference, this was a result of gas sales being totally unregulated, creating all sorts of dangerous storage situations. Moise is hoping that by changing the constitution and elect electing a pup legislature, he and his PHTK party can consolidate their power, particularly by solidifying their international support. The U.S. and other powers are clearly going a little annoyed with Moyes, though, but they're refusing to stop their support. 
They are all now denouncing the referendum, but they're still urging elections, pushing Moyes to open up negotiations with some subset of the opposition. Clearly, they're hoping he might be able to split the opposition, get some to participate in the fall election so that they can then declare it legitimate and have a fig leaf of democracy to hide behind. The U.S. and other powerful forces see Jovenel and the PHTK party as their best option in Haiti. It's the most powerful political force willing to continue the longstanding policies that consign Haitians to poverty, but make large amounts for multinationals in the light manufacturing and agribusiness and mining sectors. But, of course, since it's pretty much impossible to pretend this is any sort of democratic situation, given the fact that the popular movement on the streets clearly represents a majority and Moyes has become increasingly thuggish, there's more statements coming out from these powerful forces trying to pressure Moyes, it seems. Not that they're going to push him out, but to, you know, help them create a little bit more of a fig leaf. Over the weekend, the Biden administration announced they were extending temporary protective status for Haitian immigrants in the U.S. And that's a clear sign, of course, that the political mobilizations of the Haitian diaspora have had a strong effect. But it's also an important indicator that the clear reality they painted is 100% true. That as long as Moyes is there, it just isn't credible for anyone, including the U.S. government, to claim the situation in terms of the humanitarian situation is improving at all. This sets the whole situation at a bit of an impasse. Clearly, Jovenel feels he can hold on and his backers aren't willing to push him out. Their biggest worry, it seems, is that no one can really credibly address the mass movement with the same type of right-wing political program. So there isn't a clear way to co-opt the movement without addressing the demands around poverty and social and economic rights, which they, of course, are unwilling to entertain and thus they're stuck with Jovenel. Much to their chagrin, however, Jovenel is unwilling to accept any concessions to anyone on anything, and it seems that most of the opposition also knows joining with Jovenel is more likely to isolate them than anything else. So in a way, it's come down to a test of wills. Whether or not Jovenel Moise has the forces to hold on, or whether the opposition, which isn't completely united and has some differences in terms of the overall direction of the country, can unite enough of a force to topple him. <laughs> The small Pacific island of Samoa is locked in a political crisis. It seems that the most recent past prime minister is in the midst of mounting a coup against his newly elected predecessor. Today, Samoa's prime minister-elect, Naomi Matafa, was sworn in in a tent. It took place after she was locked out of parliament after the outgoing prime minister, Tuleipa Malilalagoy, canceled the parliament session set to take place this morning to complete the swearing-in ceremony. No one is exactly clear what happens next, but it does seem that Malalaligoy is determined to hold on to power, which his Human Rights Protection Party, it's a right-leaning Christian party, has held since 1982. How'd we get here? Well, in early April, Samoa held an election that was mainly contested between the HRPP and a recent split-off party that goes by the acronym of FAST. The two parties both won 25 seats, and there was one independent. In Samoa, though, 10% of the legislators have to be women. And the breakdown after the election was only 9.8% were women. So the Electoral Commission switched one seat in favor of HRPP, where they had a woman candidate. However, this outraged the Independent, who then joined fast in protest, making it a total deadlock in Parliament 26-26. Then the Supreme Court voided the change seat, and fast gained a one-seat, 26-25 majority. 
Malalalegoy is disputing all of this and refuses to acknowledge the election. He seems to be supported by the head of state, who's a powerful traditional leader and who has rejected the Supreme Court's rulings on a few of these election issues. So what is this really all about? Well, it's a little opaque, but it seems to be the result of a controversial lands and title bill that was passed last year and amended the Samoan Constitution. Now, as you can imagine, on a small island there, land is a huge, huge issue. And so what this did is amend the legal structure for how land is governed. So 80% of the land in Samoa is owned through traditional structures. So land disputes are mainly hashed out within a generations-old traditional process. But the Supreme Court can step in to address issues around fair proceedings and other more, quote-unquote, Western-style individual rights. And this is how kind of all law works in Samoa, where there's a blend of uh, British-style law and traditional uh, traditional legal codes. So the land and title bill just took the Supreme Court totally outside of the process of land disputes, which some, including fast leaders, felt eroded the rule of law and infringed on individual rights. So the underlying issue seems to really be based on how much the scope of a British-style Western quote-unquote legal system is going to have in Samoa vis-a-vis the traditional legal code and way of doing things, particularly as it concerns crucial, crucial issues like who really controls the land and who has the most influence over the land. It seems for now, the outgoing prime minister controls the government and isn't giving up. So for now, at least, it seems there's been a coup in Samoa. While it's fallen out of the news, the situation in Myanmar continues at a very high boil. And today, for the first time since February 1st, deposed leader Aung San Suu Kyi was seen publicly appearing in court for a brief hearing regarding a range of quite frankly, seemingly manufactured charges designed to justify the coup. Her appearance in court comes as the country seems to be going into an even deeper conflict. In addition to the ongoing mass protests and strikes, which have seen 4,000 detained and 800 killed, an armed wing of the protest movement, the People's Defense Force, has been created. The PDF so far seems to be armed with mainly homemade weapons, but on Sunday, they killed nearly two dozen members of the security forces and burned down a police station 60 miles east of the capital city. Myanmar is a very multinational country with many ethnic groups, a number of which have fought for autonomy and independence over the years and have relatively large standing armies. In both Kashin State and Chin State, these armies have come out in favor of the protest movement and are stepping up attacks on the government, while others, like the largest, uh, which is the United Wa State Army, seem to really just be watching from the sidelines. The intransigence of the military is very clear here. They are determined, regardless of how it's going, uh, to put more force on the streets, and to continue to prosecute Suu Kyi. And really, when you look at it, they had no real political differences with Suu Kyi and her National League of Democracy Party. They seemed, however, really just threatened by its popularity, despite the fact that the military had total real control over the workings of the country. But they seem to have resorted to their status quo ante of total military rule and vicious repression of anyone who can't stay on board with what they're doing, and they ditched the fig leaf of democracy they had set up to bring in more Western investment a few years ago. Ultimately, both the military and the NLD were perfectly happy to keep the low-wage sweatshop and mining economy intact. Neither was willing to seriously address issues of national oppression and sanction the massive violence against the Rohingya. Both were very open to having close relations with China and the West. So it seems that really there were no ultimate political differences, but a power struggle at the top, but the closing down of the semblance of democratic space that had been created then inspired tremendous resistance from the popular masses who clearly want to say in how they are ruled 
fooled and weren't looking to take a step backwards. And hence, the mass explosion of protest, which continues to deepen, in which the very heavy military activity, it seems, cannot quell. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom.